0: Welcome to episode number 19 of Colorado TechCast.
1: So our protocol is a series of smart contracts that allow people to trustlessly trade digital and non-digital assets on top of the Ethereum blockchain. We offer the mechanism through smart contracts to facilitate that trading. Like think about the legacy infrastructure of, of Wall Street, right? Clearing firms and margin facilities of this nature. We're essentially using smart contracts to replace some of those pieces. We can do so on the blockchain where counterparties don't need to know each other. We can guarantee that the contracts are solved at all times by kind of locking collateral or locking these digital assets into a contract and then making sure that the trades settle in a pre-established fashion with counterparties being able to receive their correct distributions from, from their collateral um, upon the settlement of a trade.
0: Hey everyone, Trapper here. Welcome to Colorado TechCast, the show that tells the behind the scenes stories of Colorado technology entrepreneurs and the companies that they're building. To hear new episodes of this program, visit our website at coloradotechcast.com. There you'll find everything you need to know to subscribe to the show with links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and everything else we talk about here on the show. Today I'm joined by Phil Elsasser, CTO and co founder of Market Protocol. Phil, to start us off, tell me a little bit about yourself and about your background.
1: So, I grew up in the Chicago, Illinois suburbs, um, and ended up going to school out in Western Washington University in, in Bellingham. Uh, I really wasn't sure I was going to go to college, but ended up heading out there to actually study marine biology.
0: Marine biology, huh? So, I'll get you into that?
1: <laughs> um, you know, I, as a kid, I, I really really loved science and was the only thing in school that actually interested me. Um, and I, we also used to take trips down to Florida as a kid, and go fishing and we'd be in the ocean. And I don't know, I just always found marine life fascinating and the ocean's fascinating. And so that combined with kind of a, a love and a passion for science was the really the only thing I thought that I wanted to, to go to school for.
0: So from Chicago, from the icy cold region of Chicago to Florida, become a marine biologist. Um, how long did you stick with that plan?
1: Um, well, actually, I went to school in, in Washington State, so we used to take trips to Florida as kids, and then, uh, yeah, some school out, out in Washington State, uh, and I stuck with that plan f- for a while. I went through school um, and worked on some grants, actually, for, for research uh, in, in local marine environments. I uh, did some some research on some marine snails uh, and other invertebrates and some stuff that people probably wouldn't find very interesting, but that I really enjoyed. I was uh, hanging out in tide pools and collecting samples and doing all sorts of just, I guess, field research that was enjoyable, Um, but also what actually I spent most of my time of after school uh, or after college was was bike racing, and that... um, was something I got into in college and, and spent a lot of time after uh, racing and kind of following a, a path towards trying to make a career of that. Um, but that, that actually was what really kind of got me thinking about uh, maybe a more serious career long term and something where I could try to establish myself. And um, my brother had been in finance for a long time and, and had tried several times to get me to come work with him in, back in Chicago uh, trading futures and eventually I kind of relented and and gave in and and headed to Chicago to start work uh, as as a clerk on his trading desk working nights. Chicago's kind of got a unique setup in that they have what they call prop trading desks, where essentially there's these firms that are set up to allow smaller groups or individuals trade under them uh, using house money, and they basically run as almost separate little entities uh, and there 's some shared infrastructure, some of that's uh, i t staff um, sometimes it 's development staff to kind of facilitate some of the trading that goes on um, but really it 's just these these small groups that are kind of self sufficient in terms of making decisions about how they execute trades and and the risks that they take on
0: okay so very entrepreneurial it sounds like right
1: yeah it's very uh it is very entrepreneurial i mean it 's kill what you eat type type world, the sky's the limit, and you can work as much or as little as you want, but it's very, uh, you you see results directly related to kind of your efforts, which is is nice for a person like me who's uh, not very geared towards the corporate world um, and and very much like making a difference in a small group of people and, and seeing ideas come to fruition and influencing what happens with the direction of a company.
0: So you probably picked up a lot of things on the trading desk that, that led to your future you know, your future company with market protocol, I would imagine, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that flourished into, um, you know, so I was working nights, um, and at nighttime it can be really slow. I mean, you're trading Asian markets and European markets, and um, it's, it's a much slower pace to the moves that happen compared to the, the U.S. daytime session. And sometimes you're you have a lot of downtime, um, and that downtime translated into me taking some of the very rudimentary programming uh, language knowledge that I had and learning more about how to implement that in the financial space.
0: So, like setting up trading strategies and things like that.
1: Yeah, at the very beginning, it was more just analyzing strategies and doing like backtesting results for uh, kind of historical analysis. So as part of the marine biology, going back to that, uh, you know, he'd used R as a statistical programming language to, to kind of analyze results of experiments. And so that was a, a teeny little bit of knowledge I had about processing data sets and learning how to do some of that analysis. And that led into doing the same thing with some, uh, some of the trading strategies that were, they were using on, on in Chicago. And eventually it came more than just Uh, historical analysis and and thinking about executing trades real time and help and learning from people that were also at the firm of how to create trading infrastructure and and write programs uh, that were, you know, algorithmic trading strategies that kind of blossomed to a much more automated framework for trading in general.
0: So what brought you from Chicago to Colorado?
1: So as time went on, that that trading group kind of shifted and changed it, changed a lot, and me and some of the other founders of Market Protocol uh, through that desk to, to be a lot larger than uh, than it was, and eventually, uh, my wife got offered a job uh, in, in Denver, and she was originally from Bellingham, Washington, and, and both of us had this kind of idea in the back of our minds that at some point, somewhere in life, we wanted to get back to the mountains, get out of the city, uh, have access to the outdoors again, and you know, I hadn't really spent a lot of time in Colorado, but I kind of knew some of the culture here and some of the access to the outdoors that was available. Um, and, and Bellingham is an incredible place that you can be kayaking and skiing in the same day. And, you know, that, uh, I really, really enjoyed that about living there and she'd, she'd lived there for about 15 years. So, um, she got offered this job, and, and we thought, well, maybe we can try to make it work remote And for, for me and the trading group, and uh, we kind of quickly made that leap to, to come out here. What year was that? Um, that was four years ago.
0: So just some things were starting to really heat up here.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember coming here and trying to look for a place to live and being like, wow, this is, uh, <laughs> this is crazy, and it's only gotten worse
0: going back to your moving out here, there's another founder who lives in Colorado and one who I think you said is in California, right?
1: Yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, Collins Brown is the other founder. He's He lives in Denver. Um, and actually a few years after my wife and I moved out here, he kind of realized that the remote thing was, was viable and um, he, he loves to ski. And so he'd been coming to Colorado for, for many years in the wintertime to, to go skiing. And so he, uh, he shortly after I came out here, made the, made the leap and him, left Chicago. And then, uh, Seth Rubin, who's, he was in California. Um, he was kind of in Chicago, didn't really think that he wanted to leave the, the trading group. And as we kind of expanded the market protocol and, and put down the full-time trading, um, he realized that he, you know, was able to now leave Chicago also. And, and his wife had been trying to get him to go to LA for <laughs> forever, uh, so, it, kind of at the onset of Market Protocol, he decided to, to make the move out there as well.
0: So, Market Protocol operates on the blockchain, right?
1: Yeah, correct. We are a protocol uh, that is on the Ethereum blockchain.
0: What is the blockchain, and how does it function in terms of the ledger and you know all the nodes and things like
1: that? Sure. Blockchain in general is essentially a distributed system that allows for many nodes to verify. essentially the the history of transactions. Um, So in the simplest form, it's, it's basically just a ledger that's distributed and secured by nodes that are verifying an accurate version of history.
0: A lot of people are familiar with Bitcoin and some of the cryptocurrencies, but there's potential there for a lot more than just monetary transactions.
1: Yeah, correct. There's certainly the cryptocurrencies, which allow basically just money to be transferred. And there's the the added ability to create smart contracts on top of this technology as well. So with Ethereum, they offer touring complete smart contracts that are executed on top of the blockchain technology, basically allowing for kind of like a global supercomputer almost that can be distributed and verified among these nodes for consensus.
0: Is it distributed computing then? Is that what a smart contract is?
1: Yeah, a smart contract is essentially a, a set of rules that dictate how a distributed computing system is going to execute those transactions. So yeah, uh, that's accurate.
0: So how does market protocol fit into this then, you know, in terms of smart contracts?
1: So our, our protocol is a series of smart contracts that allow people to trustlessly trade digital and non-digital assets on top of the Ethereum blockchain. So we offer the mechanism through smart contracts to facilitate that trading. So if you think about these kind of um, legacy infrastructure of, of Wall Street, right, clearing firms and margin facilities and things of this nature, we're essentially using smart contracts to replace some of those pieces. And we can do so... In a fashion on the blockchain where counterparties don't need to know each other, we can guarantee that the contracts are solved at all times um, by kind of locking collateral or locking these digital assets into a contract, and then making sure that the trades settle in a pre-established fashion um, with counterparties being able to receive their correct distributions from from their collateral um, upon the settlement of a trade.
0: Does this function like a brokerage house then? Or is there a a modern day, you know, real world example of what market protocol does?
1: So the the best example or the best way to think about it is looking at futures contracts, I think, in in the traditional world. So a futures contract is is a derivative that allows two counterparties to come together, basically exchange the price um, or exchange exposure based on the price the future price of an asset. So, if we think about the CME, and they have the S&P 500 index, um, if me and you enter into a trade uh, for that product, and one of us long is long, one of us is short, then as the S&P 500 index of stocks moves up in price, I make money. As that basket of stocks moves down in price, if you're short, you would make money, and I would lose money. So, essentially, it's kind of um, almost like betting on the price of an asset, And we are doing this a very similar thing on the blockchain, where uh, we're allowing people to use digital assets to kind of bet on the price of a real-world asset or or another digital asset for that for that matter.
0: So online derivative training on the blockchain, basically, right?
1: Yeah, correct.
0: How did you guys come up with the idea of this? Like, what was the uh, what was the hole in the market that you sought to address?
1: Yeah, so back in the the trading firm, we were uh, we started trading cryptocurrencies. And if you do that from the perspective of a, a professional trader uh, or for someone from Wall Street, at that point, it was, it was kind of odd to come into this world where best practice was to not leave money on an exchange. Custody of funds was a really, really big issue for people. Exchanges were getting hacked. People were losing their funds. Um, these exchanges were socializing losses across customer accounts to deal with that, and That was the first thing that set us down the path of thinking that actually creating the trading applications on top of the blockchain made a ton of sense from just the custody of funds and the security aspect. And there's an ecosystem of decentralized exchanges, DEXs, that have facilitated trading now on the Ethereum blockchain without the need to give up custody of funds, without me needing to deposit US dollars or Bitcoin, for example, to a centralized entity, which then I trust to hold on to those funds for me. So that issue was the first place that we saw, wow, this is a real problem here. It, you know, blockchain technology can essentially solve it already. Um, and it's something that we'd like to incorporate into to our kind of view of what this technology could do in the future. The other Part of that is that these digital assets, cryptocurrencies in general, are, are extremely volatile. Um, people are scared to hold them. It's, they don't really function very well as a medium of exchange, uh, a store of value. And, and certainly all these projects that are releasing these utility tokens, it, the, the volatility and, and the price movement of them dwarfs the utility you might receive from, from actually owning their, their tokens. And so, in the traditional financial world, you have derivatives to deal with this. Um, a bank hedges their exposure to, to mortgage rates, or an airline might hedge their exposure to fuel costs. You know, fuel fuel is, is a volatile asset, and so in order for an airline to mitigate the risk of having to uh, mitigate the risk of having to hold that asset, they would use derivatives to do so. Um, and this is something that's not—it's still not in this, this space, right? There's not really a great place to to hedge. There's not really a, a market for that yet in cryptocurrencies. And so all those things kind of combined us to thinking about how we could solve those issues.
0: Bitcoin is very volatile. Like, what six months ago it was it twenty thousand dollars a coin? And I think the other day they were down to seven thousand plus uh, a coin. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Just the, the volatility of it makes it probably hard and and very risky to trade so you're saying that market protocol locks it into a to an established price that you can then trade against
1: correct yeah so with with derivatives in general you're able to do that right so um for example if if you wanted to profit on the decline of bitcoin over the last six months as you said um there's a few places that you could have tried to, to do that right you could have the CME is now offering Bitcoin futures, so you could have essentially sold Bitcoin futures on the CME short uh, in order to profit from that decline, but it's very hard for most people to get access to the CME to be able to trade. There's very few people that are even clearing the Bitcoin futures, um, and there's limited exposure to these products in general. So if you believed that Bitcoin was going to decline in price or any of these assets were going to decline in price in the last six months, which some people did, um, there was really no ability to get short exposure, right? There was no ability to bet on a decline in price. With market protocol, you're able to do that. Um, if you believe a project uh, or a, a token is overvalued, you're able to sell that product short, right? You're able to, to take a short position without having to lend or borrow to, to do that. Um, and essentially, we f- facilitate speculative short selling, which is something that is, I-, I believe, essential for efficient markets and part of the reason why we see so much volatility in crypto assets in general.
0: So, walk me through how I would use this. Like, how do I get Market Protocol Coin? Is there an exchange that I would go to to create these smart contracts, or do I even need to create smart contracts? Just walk me through that from like a uh, from a user's perspective.
1: Yeah. So, for, from a user's perspective it's going to look and feel much like going on any exchange would look and feel, right? You would go on one of these decentralized exchanges and they would have several contracts listed for you to trade. For instance, let's say there's a, a Bitcoin versus a USD stablecoin contract and you would be able to find a buyer or a seller and they would have orders in a marketplace and you'd be able to fill those orders. And that would then lock your collateral into the contract and allow you to get the exposure that we're, that you're looking for, uh, whether that's short or long, that, that contract.
0: But I don't trade with market protocol coin, right?
1: Correct, you would trade with a counterparty. So we just facilitate the transactions. We give the, the Ethereum blockchain this protocol that allows these transactions to be facilitated between counterparties. So buyer and seller come together in an exchange, and in between buyer and seller is our protocol that allows for the facilitation of these transactions to happen.
0: How do I get market protocol coin? Do I purchase those from the exchange or do I mine them like I would uh, other cryptocurrency?
1: So our, our token is involved and in our token is only involved for access to trading. So you don't actually, it, it's not involved in the actual trade itself. It, prevent, it basically just provides people with access to the protocol so we are looking at a few different ways of distributing those tokens to end users. Um, possibly uh, selling them in a retail fashion on our website. Uh, it's also possible that we will uh, incentivize users of our beta and things of that nature with, with tokens um, in order for them to have access to the protocol to
0: trade. So I know you're doing a lot of I know you're announcing a lot of partnership deals recently. What do the partnerships do for Market Protocol in terms of functionality?
1: So as stated, we're we're just this protocol layer, right? And so we need applications to be built on top of us in order to facilitate um, the the next layer that would allow people to interact with our protocol. The most obvious example of that is a decentralized exchange. So a decentralized exchange would would run on top of our protocol and and kind of, as we talked about, allow buyers and sellers to come together in in a marketplace. So that's the the first and most obvious uh, partnership that we've, been trying to foster is these people that that either have existing decentralized exchanges um, or want to build decentralized exchanges on top of this protocol. A lot of the decentralized exchanges right now offer spot trading. Uh, Essentially, I can come together, or or buyer and seller can come together and trade token A for token B. They don't offer the ability to trade real-world assets. Uh, They don't offer the ability to get short exposure or hedge. And so now, if existing decentralized exchange came and, and implemented Mark market protocol, it could now offer all of these different products that are available through, uh, facilitated through our protocol. So the
0: partners really just build on top of that protocol, allowing additional functionality and additional applications to extend your protocol, right?
1: Correct, yep. Okay. That's absolutely true. I mean, I think the best way to think about us is if you think about like a traditional exchange, you're thinking about the pipes that needed to run that exchange, and um, how uh, a trader's money is transferred from their account to another account, um, or how they ensure creditworthiness of participants. Um, all those things that kind of the the, the back end infrastructure of an exchange is is what our protocol now handles. So that is really where our our bread and butter is. Is this, those pieces is what we've we've taken from um, essentially, these you know trusted financial institutions, and we've placed that that infrastructure now lives on the blockchain through our protocol.
0: Let's back up a little bit and talk about the the formation of the company. Like you know, there's three founders that, that you've mentioned. Did you guys develop it entirely yourself, or do you have a do you have a team of developers out there that are that are working on this? Um, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so kind of early in 2017, we all started at, you know after trading different cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, we we really decided that we all thought that the underlying technology was extremely interesting and wanted to be involved in developing something, utilizing that technology, more so than just trading the cryptocurrencies, which we were doing. So we started iterating through different ideas of how, you know, what we could implement and what would make sense to implement. and, And, you know, quickly kind of focused in on what our domain knowledge was and what we saw and what needed to be there, and that's how we, you know, kind of we, we gradually came to Market Protocol. So in, in June of 2017, we, all the three of us put down trading full-time to focus on it, and um, Collins and Seth mainly on the business side of things and myself um, much more on, on the development side of things, and I spent the next uh, four or five months really creating the first proof of concept in Solidity, which is the uh, a programming language that allows, us to write smart contracts to the Ethereum blockchain. And so that happened roughly in November of last year where we had this proof of concept that was working on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, Since then, we have scaled the team considerably, um, both on the business side and and the development side. So um, there's roughly 12 of us um, now working mostly full-time on on the project. Uh, We actually just made two new development hires in the last week, uh, so we're we're actively scaling and growing the team, uh, which is really exciting for, for us.
0: So do you guys use Gitcoin to uh, incentivize developers to work on this project?
1: We we do. Um, so kind of as I was saying, roughly in November of last year, we had the proof of concept written. And at that point, we really needed a lot of help in order to create some of the infrastructure around it and start building out a decentralized application on top of it. And so around that time, I started attending uh, Boulder Blockchain and met Kevin Owaki, the uh, founder of Gitcoin, and was really excited about the idea of being able to leverage open source developers to help our project. And that was really the first time that we started just kind of testing out the ability to, you know, essentially create issues on GitHub. And then, you know, stake them with cryptocurrency to have uh, open source developers come help us and work on our project. Since then, uh, we've roughly had about 40 40 or so contributors to our project in the open source community. Some of them incentivized with Gitcoin, others just doing it for intrinsic motivation or intrinsic reasons. But we've also actually hired through Gitcoin. Our first full-time hire was someone that was contributing to bounties through Gitcoin and, you know, kept interacting with us and kept helping us, and eventually, you know, we decided to bring him on full-time, and it was this great experience of um, him already knowing our project really well and knowing kind of our culture and how we work and us also really trusting and understanding that he was going to add a lot of value as, as one of our first development hires. So we've been really happy with Gitcoin, and and Kevin's been a great mentor to me, actually. Um, Coming from the financial world, which is very closed source, you don't really talk to anyone about what you do. You develop all this really incredible low-latency code, and and no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to share anything. To working in an environment that's completely open source, um, everything we do is at the open. Our Discord is open for people to join and see what we're talking about and working on. Um, we have open engineering calls every week. It, it, it's just a very different uh, way of operating a company, and Kevin's been really instrumental in helping me understand how to how to do that, uh, how to come from a closed-source close world, and now we're on a company that's open-source and is excited about integrating people's ideas and just inviting everyone to come join us in this journey.
0: Yeah, I think that the concept of Gitcoin is really cool. There's so many open-source projects out there, but... The problem with that's always been, you know, how do you incentivize people to come work for you? So by being able to create these bounties for things to be addressed, not only do you incentivize developers with monetary means, but it's almost you get to try them before before you hire them on. It sounds like that's what you're able to do in this case.
1: Yeah, exactly that. We were able to, you know, establish a working relationship with someone and know that they were a good fit beyond, you know, how, trying to spend some time interviewing them or giving them some small coding tests to try to somehow uh, assess aptitude, (laughs) and that's been really challenging. I've never had a really um, good experience with the traditional kind of interview process Um, from either side, to be honest with you, from the hiring side when we were trying to hire developers on the trading desk um, or the interview side as someone trying to express uh, technical knowledge to people that are looking for uh, for talent. It's just a challenging thing to, to do in a typical interview process in a couple hours in, in front of a whiteboard.
0: Yeah, I think Gitcoins definitely definitely has that solved for. Tell me a little bit more about your your involvement in the Boulder community. Um, you mentioned the Boulder blockchain, which is one of the larger blockchain meetups in the region.
1: Yeah, Boulder blockchain is, is great and, and thriving. So yeah, I got involved uh, in the last I guess, six months i have been become a co-organizer of Boulder Blockchain. So facilitating that meetup, um, just helping to raise awareness about it. And uh, Kevin Owaki and Michael Green are the other two co-organizers of that event. And they've also helped me kind of get into a few other roles in the community. Um, I got to help out a very small portion with East Denver, which was an incredible hackathon that really blew me away with just the community and, and what's going on in blockchain in general with again, the open-source nature of all these projects and, and the pace at which innovation is happening and collaboration is happening. So that event really was a cornerstone in kind of my belief in the, the blockchain ecosystem and specifically the Ethereum ecosystem um, of, of where this tech is headed and, and what's possible as a result of the collaboration and the just the, the pace of innovation, I guess, that's, that's happening.
0: Yeah, I think that hackathon you mentioned was the... I don't remember the numbers... I haven't written down here somewhere, but definitely more people than they expected to turn out in Denver, Colorado, of all places. It's not necessarily a, a financial hub like, you know, New York or obviously Chicago, but it's it's exciting to see the growth of blockchain companies in Colorado. We're rated as one of the states of the highest growth in blockchain jobs. So we definitely have something going right. We definitely have a strong community of blockchain enthusiasts such as yourself and you know Kevin and, and Michael that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, and there's a, I mean, there's, there's, there's some really cool projects up in Boulder, and that's one of the greatest things I think about going to Boulder Blockchain to meet up. Um, you know, I've been all over the world now traveling for different events, and, and you can always tell the, kind of the level of sophistication of the, the people that are attending. There's this departure from just talking about cryptocurrencies and the price and the hype cycle there to talking about the underlying technology and why it's so cool. And you go and build a blockchain, and, and that's what's talked about up there is the tech. And there's Origin Protocol, there's Gitcoin, there's us, there's uh, some people from the Ethereum Foundation um, and a couple other consensus hires. And, um, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's a really cool environment to be a part of and I'm just excited that, you know, we get to develop technology here among a really awesome community of people that are also in, in the space, as you said, and, and also developing really cool tech.
0: Are you looking to continue expanding your team, or do you, do you have any future hires and future positions that you've got kind of on the horizon?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're still uh, actively scaling our, our team, both on the development side and the business side. Um, we currently have a lot of needs uh, for people that have experience with React and then also um, using kind of lower-level people that have experience coding smart contracts and Solidity, um, is really the, the two places that we're kind of looking for assistance right now on the, the dev side of things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we have a, a lot of growth to achieve and a lot of work to do, so we're, we're definitely still looking to kind of expand the team and, and have people come on and help us, either whether that's in a full-time fashion or as contributors to the project, um, that we're either just doing so for uh, their own enjoyment or that are you know, compensated through some sort of part-time or or bounty system like Gitcoin.
0: You guys are on GitHub, I assume, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, our website's marketprotocol.io. There's a link to our GitHub there. Um, There's issues there for people that want to start working on them that are, a lot of them, again, are staked with Gitcoin or at least there for people to pick up and work on. Um, People can join our our Discord, which has all of our engineers uh, actively working on issues there and ask questions about how to get involved. Um, We also have a telegram room that's more geared towards, um, not necessarily the technology, but just the the protocol in general and how it will be used and some of the uh, team around it. So there's lots of ways to kind of interact and get involved.
0: So what's your timeline in terms of launching Market Protocol?
1: Our goal is for a mainnet launch sometime toward the end of the year. Uh, We do have our DApp and a beta available on one of the uh, Ethereum test nets for people to use and, and learn how the protocol works. Um, so as that kind of gets more advanced, uh, we're going to go through a few different beta rounds before we're able to launch. And, and again, hopefully that's uh, towards, towards the end of this year.
0: So for those interested in the Boulder Blockchain Meetup, how can they find more information about it?
1: Yeah, so, so we're a meetup group. Um, so you can find us on meetup.com. Uh, um, it's just a search for Boulder Blockchain. We meet every other Wednesday at Boulder Bit. They offer, graciously offer us space to meet. Um, we meet at 6 p.m. and then have a conversation. And afterwards, we all go to drinks uh, at Beer Garden uh, up in Boulder. So please come, come join us. You can also learn more about just the Colorado blockchain community um, at com as well.
0: So, Phil, appreciate you coming on Colorado TechCast and, you know, telling us a little bit about market protocol. Between conversations with you, with Chris Bennett, and with Kevin Owaki, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around blockchain and Ethereum and how all this works. I think one thing is for sure the potential upside for, for the blockchain and what it can do is extremely strong. You know, kind of liken it back to you know building out the internet initially and coming up with the, the foundation protocols of it. And then as as that solidified, other players came in on top of that and built up the application layer and built out websites and built out applications that we can actually use without having to worry about the underlying protocol. I think that those of you that have got that figured out are doing a great service for the, the people who come after you. You know, alleviate them from having to figure all that out and, and just build really cool applications on top of that. I think you guys are doing really good work.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we're really excited about what the future holds in this space and, and also just, as you say, the applications that can be built on, on top of us. Um, one of the cool things about being a founder of a, of a protocol is that you don't even always have a full grasp on all the different applications that that may emerge uh, from your protocol, and and that's also exciting. That we have, you know, we know a lot of different use cases, but there's ones that that we haven't even thought of. That because we're implementing something that uh, is flexible, that that people maybe get creative with, and it's beyond what we even thought was possible with it.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Colorado TechCast. To hear more episodes of this program, visit our website at coloradotechcast.com. There you'll find everything you need to know to subscribe to the show. We're also on Twitter at CO TechCast and love hearing your comments, so keep them coming. I'm Trapper Little, and I'll talk with you soon on the next episode of Colorado TechCast.